Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome again. Good to see all of you on this sweet summer day. So I want to um, repeat the quote that I read before the meditation from Suzuki Roshi. You know how to rest physically. You do not know how to rest mentally. And just make that a bit of a theme for our time together today, the contemplation of how in our practice, we can um, move towards this unbinding, this rest in the mind moment by moment throughout our awareness. And uh, one of the questions that I asked, um, if anyone wants to share, what memory do you have of a summer day filled with ease and peace? Where were you? What were you doing? What was around you? What did it feel like? Anybody wanna share one? Anybody have one come to mind? Recently, I was uh, hiking with Jane in um, the um, uh, the mountains around Mammoth, the peaks, and um, we were climbing a bit in elevation, and it was hot, and I was sweaty, and uh, it was a bit of work for me. I'm not used to climbing up a mountain and uh, we're going through switchbacks. And we went through um, this one switchback and we were climbing for quite a while. And there was this beautiful, pristine lake with the mountains behind in beautiful colors and everything was completely still. And just seeing that image of the lake with these mountains filled with the beautiful peaks and majestic. I just felt the mind just drop down and go very still, this ease and calm. It was like the lake, that stillness of the lake just permeated my whole being. This sweet peace came in. And I think the summertime gives us this opportunity to sense and feel into this peace and ease, this unbinding as such. So uh, I I offer you that opportunity to bring that warm, beautiful summer in, the summer breeze and uh, nature, the ocean, and these hot days where we can just calm and relax and sense and feel into ourselves, allowing this peace to permeate. So one of the things uh, that I did yesterday was some finish some notes on our class that we had. And um, we did a class on, uh, we called it demystifying emptiness. 
And I don't know if you could ever demystify the concept of emptiness or no self in Buddhism. It was really kind of a funny way to label a class. If anything, we probably confused everyone in the class more. Um, but I wanted to read a little bit from these notes and talk a little bit from the class and come back to our theme. So, uh, so throughout the class, we explored uh, the five aggregates uh, and we've been talking about it a lot on Sundays. And I think most of you, I'm looking at who's here, you know, you've heard this before, that um, the Buddha uh, took all of conscious experience, all of our uh, awareness in the moment when we open our eyes and we look out or we think internally or we feel into five categories or five heaps that we call um, the aggregates. And uh, can anyone name them? Anybody remember and want to name them? Pop a quiz. All right, I'll name them. I'll name them. We're in summer ease here. So the first one is form. It's physicality, everything that you see, touch, smell, notice. You know, I'm looking out, I see bodies, I see a wall, I see a watercolor painting, right, form. And feeling is the second one, which is um, the way we feel about it. I like this, I don't like it, or I don't really care, I'm neutral. So I love that watercolor, right? I, I don't like the color of the wall. <laughs> I see everybody in boxes on my computer screen and I wish for, um, in person, perhaps, you know, some aversion there. So it's just the, my reaction to the form. And the third one is perception. And that is when my eye hits the form, it goes back in my Wikipedia or encyclopedia for the older folks and comes up with a name and a story about it. You know, it's my dictionary and encyclopedia, right? Um, I can name this plant Palthos, right? And then um, the other two are mental formations or mental activity. Um, sorry for the little ringing. I, I, it's not turned off on all my devices. And that's the one I wanna talk a, about today. And last one is consciousness. It's, it's consciousness is present to, um, that and it arises with form, it arises with feeling, and it arises with perceptions and so on. Um, so that's a very quick review of the five aggregates. But the one that I wanna talk about today is what we call mental formation or mental activation. And I was quoting from Guy Armstrong's book on emptiness. Uh, in the um, review that I wrote. So I'll read it to you and then uh, we'll explore why I'm bringing this up today, hopefully, hopefully in this summer ease or malaise as, as we know it, nourishing time. Um, so in the fourth aggregate, which is mental formations, 
this is where we form our sense of personality, who we take ourselves to be, who we think we are. Um, so let's see. Personality is who we take ourselves to be. We really question the assumption of who we take ourselves to be. Uh, the personality, uh, and he defines it, refers to a person's collective habits of acting, speaking, thinking, and feeling. Acting, thinking, speaking, and feeling. Also our body image, who we take ourselves to be in the, in the way we look and how we feel in our body. This includes outer expressions of actions and speech, as well as inner movements of thoughts and feelings. The outer expressions are prompted by inner movement of thought and feeling, which are volitional formations in the fourth aggregate. Um, and he talks about, this is the place where karma begins. So we wanna define karma, and this is where karma starts. Uh, the Buddha's insight was, that the key to understanding our actions lies in the volition that gives rise to the act. Unwholesome volition is one that is rooted in greed, hatred, and delusion, while wholesome volition is rooted in renunciation, loving kindness, and wisdom. Another way to understand karma is through our volition of thought, emotion that makes up our intentions into action. And I wrote this, as we develop the capacity to pause and notice with awareness what's happening in our mind and heart, moment by moment, and to abandon what is unwholesome, we're using karma to change karma. And this was actually Guy's concept that I was reflecting on. I personally believe we're making what is often unseen and unconscious more conscious permeated with awareness through the lens of wisdom. By questioning who we take ourselves to be in the moment, we can loosen the grasping, painful self-identity and unnecessary suffering and stress through identification. All of this must be held with total self-compassion for this body and mind, slowly becoming more free from habit formations and lack of understanding. So, um, so where karma begins is also, I notice where dukkha begins, suffering and stress. They seem to go hand in hand, just at that fourth personality view, um, how we form that personality. And um, while we usually think about karma as, um, there's some volition to the actions we take and are these actions wholesome or unwholesome, I'm beginning to contemplate a bit how even the thoughts that cluster around a personality are also karma because who we take ourselves to be, these cluster of thoughts that shape who we think we are, we bring into the world and interact with the world. So even our self-concept is karma. Even our self-concept is karma. 
And going back to this theme of we know how to rest physically. Well, I'm tired and I, I like to rest by uh, taking a short nap, reading a light novel, sometimes putting on mindless radio or TV or podcast, or just um, tuning out and I can rest that way, right? I know how to give my body rest. But can we give our mind rest? And another way of saying this is, can we loosen the grip of personality view and mental formations? Um, and can we do it with relaxation, with ease, um, without an inner critic or an inner perfectionist commenting? You know, can we really loosen the tight hold of our view? And um, can we practice a way of being that brings more peace and ease and rest of the mind into our life? Well, one is that pause and knowing when the personality view is operating, right? I'm not talking about anything new, you all know this, but it's a more of an invitation to practice together. So I'll read a little bit from Guy's book. I want to read a little bit and give some examples, and um, then we'll go on from there. So, if I can find. This is a paragraph um, from his book, and um, He's talking about um, this untangled knowing, and that comes from Upasana Nanyan, who was a, um, uh, let's see if I can find his description of her. I'll tell you a little bit more about her in a bit. She wrote a book, Unentangled Knowing, that is just wonderful. If if any of you um, have had a chance to look at that book. But she says, um, he says, unentangled knowing is a lovely and evocative uh, turn of phrase. It conveys the quality of alert awareness that is free of grasping and the inevitable tangle it creates. So just to be, see your tangle, and to name your tangle. And maybe with a little joy, with a little humor, with a little release to go, ah, I got a tangle again, right? And uh, the Buddha often described the mind's ills as a tangle. He said, the world is smothered and enveloped by craving like a tangled ball of yarn. The world is smothered and enveloped by craving like a tangled ball of yarn. At the beginning of the Vasudhi Maga, there is an exchange in which a celestial being asks a question of the Buddha, addressing him by his family name, Gotama. Gotama. The, inner, uh, the inner tangle and the outer tangle. This generation is entangled in a tangle. And so I ask Gotama of this question, who succeeds in disentangling this tangle? I just love it because it's playful, 
you know, who succeeds in disentangling this tangle? The Buddha replies that one who is well established in virtue, so you're well established um, in uh, the precepts that we've talked about, concentration, the capacity to concentrate in meditation, and the wisdom teaches teachings succeed in disentangling the tangle. The Fasudimaga goes on to explain that the tangle is a term for the network of craving in the sense of lacing together like the network of branches in bamboo thickets. It's easy to see how inner conflict comes from opposing desires, such as wanting to be liked and at the same time wanting to do exactly as one wishes. Outer conflicts arise from one person or group wanting something that another person or group opposes. In all these situations, the tangle persists until there is some letting go of desire. So the question is with ease, with compassion, with loving kindness, with, with um, a real gentle awareness, can we untangle our tangles? Can we let go? Um, can we use renunciation to release and um, make that a practice? So, so not because we're wrong or bad or a bad practitioner or filled with ego, so we can rest in stillness and ease. We could have more stillness, ease, quiet in our lives, more of those moments of looking at the mountain and the clear lake without the mind filled with activity. And of course it's difficult in our day-to-day -day world. So I wrote this yesterday morning and then proceeded to watch this mind throughout the day, the tangle of the mind. And it was fascinating to watch the mind at play. And the theme of the day was um, Wendy wanted a different Saturday. <laughs> Anybody else had that theme? Wendy wanted a different Saturday. And uh, I just watched it. It was fun. And when I say I, it's like that awareness, that knowing watches the arising of the tangle. And I think uh, the first thing that happened after I wrote this was um, the mind, there was some anxiety going on and fear, some fear thoughts. And I think those are the more difficult ones. But um, what then happened was my favorite coffee mug full of fresh, hot coffee slipped from my hands onto the tile and splashed coffee all over the kitchen the walls, the floor, everywhere, the coffee flew and my favorite coffee mug no longer was in existence. It was in pieces on the floor. It was, um, it was the beginning of a Saturday that Wendy didn't want. You know, Wendy did not want that Saturday. She did not want to lose that coffee mug. She didn't want coffee flying all over the wall and everywhere, right? And, and it was just great to watch the grasping and the selfing and the identifying, oh, now I got to, uh, you're right, I got to clean up the wall, right? And you know that one. And so we can, it's an opportunity. This is really opportunity of practice 
to disentangle, to untangle the story of self. You know, it's not huge, it's just a coffee cup, right? But, but to pull back into a spacious awareness. And we could talk a little bit more about what is spacious awareness, how we can use that. And it's not like one state is worse than the other you know, like stillness or anger over the coffee cup, they're all awareness arising and passing in awareness. It's all an impermanent phenomena that is flowing through our lives, one not worse than the other, all filled with opportunity. And we don't have to grasp at consciousness at any awareness. So that started, the coffee cup started and I just want to be playful about it because there's no reason to take ourselves seriously because then we're taking ourselves to be something, right? So why be serious, you know? So so it started with the coffee cup and then um, I was looking forward to a visit from my sister who I haven't seen in person in a while and she couldn't come. Canceled, last minute. And I could see the mind forming opinions about this and a story about it and clinging and grasping, wanting the experience of, and there's nothing wrong with wanting the experience of closeness and being with people and wanting the people you love near you. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You can watch the story, the I making and the my making of the story and the clinging to the I making and the my making and how my opinion about what she chose to do and why she chose to do it, which was perfectly fine. But I had an opinion about it. And the tighter we hold on the opinion, the more we suffer, the more we're selfing, the more we're not at ease. These opinions cost something, don't they? They do. They cost some, you know, calm and ease right? This letting go of who I take myself to be. So one more time, I got to see the mind rise in mental formation and create a story and a self, right? Something impermanent, taking it to be permanent, imbuing it with, with lots of narrative and emotion and story. Um, and um, the day went on like that. And it was great way to practice. Um, ants got into a cabinet and took over some bags of food. And the next hour or two was given to the Saturday with ants all over the kitchen where the coffee had been, you know, and then it ended with, um, and this one I enjoyed the most. And you see, it's a play of mind. Like if you can watch your mind play um, in a way of, um, and even making the small things dharma, right? So um, around the corner, there is a um, park and from two to eight, they have um, what I like to call cover bands, come and play your favorite songs that you've heard thousands of times before all day long by people who, Maybe they're like weekend musicians and maybe they play in bars, you know, and you've heard these particular songs over and over and over. And this goes on from two in the afternoon till 830 at night. Um, if 
if someone plays that Doobie Brothers song one more time, right? You know, you know which one? Do you hear it in your head? The one I'm talking about, right? I, have you got it? One that you've heard too many times. So, um, so I can't get away from it. The music is right here, and um, I did go to the park to sit with people. It was lovely uh, evening, but that they would not stop playing the hits of the. 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, like, and um, it was not appreciated by Wendy. <laughs> you know, she has different tastes in music. And by 8:30, I could feel the opinion and the story about did they have to play that song uh, again, right? Like, but to watch the mind grasp and hold on to that which is impermanent, treating it as permanent, treating a self with opinions as a self, you know, like I'm, you know, and then seeing the impact and the effect, you know, this is great practice. It's fun. And it's also um, cloying and annoying on some level, right? So I hope I got your attention, but any time, we can really step back from who I take myself to be. And uh, what are the ways that we can do it? You know, what are the little ways that we could practice this renunciation, this non-grasping and this letting go uh, to reduce the stress? And, and by the way, when we can't, we can't. And that's where loving kindness and compassion comes in, because there are lots of times where we can't let go for many good reasons, solid reasons. Lots of times there isn't letting go. And we have to use meta for that and loving kindness and compassion. And we're just human. And this is the human experience. Um, but here are some ways that we can really practice renunciation and coming back into ease. One is um, just around an opinion. I had that opinion yesterday, ants should not be in that bag of dog food, right? Ants shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be in my bag of Costco dog food, right? No, or that band should not play the Doobie Brothers Again, <laughs> I'm laughing as I say it, that Doobie Brothers song, you know, the band should not be playing that again, you know. Um, so letting go of an opinion, just releasing it. Someone you're talking to has a very different opinion than you. I know for a lot of us, we struggle now with talking to people if you either believe in vaccination or you don't and you're there i know i have many friends and loved ones who are in the don't i may be in the believe and oh that can create a lot of stress and tension to let go so opinion around an opinion to practice the release and um another one is around aversion around i don't like it and i don't want it right, which is close to the opinion, uh, to, to renunciate around, to let go around the I don't like it. 
Another one that's obvious is around craving and desire, just being able to hold the craving and desire to see it without um, that forward motion of grasping into it. Um, I think the fourth one, I would say fear and anxiety, that one is more difficult. And I would leave that for another talk because I think um, that one is more for me, metta, loving kindness and compassion practice. Because there are good reasons when we have fear and anxiety, they're, they're stickier and harder to work with. So when we let go, what do we let go into? What do we let go into? Well, we can let go into um, just feeling the space around us, looking at the sky, feeling the space, feeling spaciousness, the space quality around us, the empty quality. I, that helps me a lot, just feeling an expansive awareness. Another way is to bring the mind into a more concentrated place to the breath or to awareness of the body. Sometimes I like to just feel myself standing, rooted in standing, feel my big bones in the body and just stay with the body. Other times I like to look out at nature, the sky, trees, landscape, and just rest in the beauty of nature. Some of us will use a mantra. Um, we'll use a mantra practice to anchor and steady the mind, and that's fine if that works. And others of us can use metta phrases of loving kindness or radiating loving kindness. This really helps around an opinion. You know, if I'm talking to someone and I'm forming an opinion, if I'm aware, I can switch to metta, loving kindness, and stop the eye making with my opinion. And there's so much more peace and ease and spaciousness. So those are some ways that we can bring the mind back to rest, to have ease, and to just get more into this non-doing spacious beingness, being awareness, which is restful. And it's also a dwelling place for wisdom. So I'll stop right here. Um, and I think we'll do some uh, breakout room. And um, if you don't want to put in the chat box, um, you could put opinions. This is what we're going to talk about opinion, aversion, craving or desire. Um, and if you want, you could talk about fear and anxiety, which I really would rather go into in another talk. And the question would be um, just how you um, experience these and what is it like to let go and release? Or would you like to let go and release and what do you use? Now, before we go in, a lot of you drop off, you can certainly stay in the large room, but I do wanna point out two things to you. Um, and one is that um, Casey and I were asked to do a retreat at the end of August, the last weekend in August by Insight LA. And um, 
for those of you who are tired of the online, a few of you, if you would like to come to my home to do the retreat, you can let me know, message me, <laughs> you know, let me know. Cause I have a ranch house with a garden and there's room, um, for a few of you. And, um, I would like in August, um, for us to meet in the park and meditate together like we did last year. Um, so I'm going to come up with some dates and times. Um, and I think Rick asked a question in the chat. So can you please list what we're exploring before splitting us up? Okay. So do you see Don wrote, uh, we're exploring the release of an opinion or view, a moment of aversion or rejection, uh, or you can pick one. These are the top craving or desire. How do you experience these? Uh, would you like to let go and release? And how do you do this? Is that a, does anybody have any questions? Um, any questions on the breakout room? And yes, if you want to come in August, the last weekend and sit at my home, you're welcome to just let me know. Because uh, I understand we need people, we're tribal, right? So yeah, that's possible. For our group, I'm not opening it up to inside LA, just for our little group, <laughs> our tribe here. Okay. All right. Any questions? So does anybody uh, want to share what um, what happened in your group? Uh or have a question or any comments, this would be a good time. Bonnie, are you saying that I can't share your wonderful advice or no? <laughs> oh, no, I was only teasing Wendy. Just okay. no, no, we can't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to know, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, so I'd like to share um, if I can share sure. Bonnie's advice because I thought it was good. Um, <clears throat> I was, I had a question about, well, I was explaining to my group that I have, uh, what's, what's been coming up for me is questions around, um, suppress suppression versus letting go. Um, and I was like, well, maybe this is something that I can sort of sit with and sort of try to experience the answer to, you know, rather than, you know, like, you know, seeking out from other people, but I'm glad I did bring it up because um, I thought something that Bonnie said resonated with me. And also um, I explained to her that I had been doing some writing about this question and um, what she said resonated with what, where I was going. So it made sense, which is um, the idea that leaning into your experience um, because I think like, so I had an experience in which I was right there in the moment with a person and some unpleasant, an unpleasant thought occurred and um, which gave unpleasant feelings. And so I did something which I thought was letting go of the thought. I thought was like, oh, okay, that's just a thought. But then it came up later. You know, I, I realized that, wait a minute, I didn't let go of that thought. Like, I think I just pushed it down so that I didn't have to feel that. And I think that that's hard to always, um, 
it's always it's not always easy to to understand if what you're doing that you know when you're doing that so um Bonnie was talking about you know to really be with that experience is kind of what you need to lean in rather than oh push it away I'm letting it go give it some space and um be with the feeling for a while before you decide to let it go <laughs> you know and that way you you know it's I, I think that that would be a better way to to not be pushing it away so Yes, thank you, Shannon and Bonnie. That's great advice to, you know, before you can let something go, um, you have to know it, feel it, hold it, own it, it be with the truth of where you are. Uh, or else we're not, we're doing that bypassing, like you said, or repressing or suppressing. We're not being true with it. And um, we could do a whole Dharma talk. You could do a whole class on being with a difficult emotion or feeling or, or grief or loss or, you know, any of those things, anxiety, um, because yes, lean in and sense and feel into it because you have to know it to release it. It has I'm to sorry. be known. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just want to say one, one other thing though. It's like, yeah what I find challenging is the balance between being with it, you know, because I can go into a hole with it, you know? So that's also a challenge. It's not so easy to be like, Oh, let me be with it, you know, and then I'll let it go. It's kind of like, well, if I'm with it, then I kind of, like I said, I just perseverate on it or whatever. So it's kind of a, a very, it's challenging for me. Well, you're bringing a lot of clarity to this very difficult piece of practice. So thank you. You're really clear. And you're absolutely right. that that fine line between knowing the truth of what's arising and then perseverating, clinging and feeding it. Right. So um, what we try to do is to know with awareness what it's feeling like in the body um, what the thought, what the thoughts are coming up, the images, the patterns, sometimes even the past, um, to see it with awareness and to see the difference between the holding on and clinging and grasping to the story and creating a self out of it. Now, I have a PhD in, in creating a self out of, of a difficult story. You know, that's what I did my dissertation on you know, creating a self out of difficult stories. So if you want any expert advice on that one, <laughs> I can let you read my dissertation. No, I'm serious. You know what I mean? I know that one well. So it is, it is hard. There's that line, right? So thank you for bringing that up. Um, yes. I think it's interesting. Um, like I, I, I brought up that some situations, especially if they have a past history, if there's a, if, I don't know what you would call that, if there's more, if it's juicier or if there's more attached to it, um, it's easier to, um, to go into the messiness of it or the, you know, without being able to um, take that moment. And I feel like for me, the word awareness is, um, is a little harder for me than to be able to say, okay, I'm going to observe. I want to observe this. I want to observe that, that um, this is what I'm doing. 
to be able to kind of detach from it and watch what I'm doing from a place of uh, non-judgment. And that seems to work a little bit better for me, but it's hard. I mean, I, I, I want to catch it. I know that I'm not going to not do it. I just want to, when I'm doing it, be able to catch it and say, oops, this is not where I want to be. Kind well, of like, kind yeah. of like the, kind of like the, um, the uh, mindfulness, you catch it, the mindfulness muscle of catching when you're not being mindful. I feel like I want to be able to catch when I'm triggered, I guess is the best word I know, or when I'm reactive. It's great that you can find the word that fits and wakes you up, you know, make it your own, find your word. And others of you have talked about writing using writing as a way to get through it. I think that's great. I use art when I'm having something strong gripping me. Art has really helped me. Um, others of you will use breath or movement or walking. So use what really works for you. Make your practice your own. I was, I guess you kind of just actually addressed that. The uh, We talked about a situation I was in recently in my acupuncturist office where I had, I mean, I've had a lot of pain in my body since I did this program and I had a needle in my shoulder that was just, <sighs> I woke up from a, a, a short nap and it was like seven, eight, nine pain level. I mean, and I was doing all kinds of MBSR things and couldn't get anywhere. I mean, I, I was, I was managing it, but it was like, it just wasn't getting to a point where I you know, didn't feel completely um, controlled by it. And Ali mentioned just diverting and you kind of talked about that too, you know, going to different practices that could um, bring away from that. You know, I think Shannon was talking about that as well. And, you know, those, those situations where it's just kind of, you don't want to go into a hole. And I was also thinking in our group that we have kind of a kinky relationship going on here at the, uh, the um, aversion and the and the clinging, or they're they're in they're in bed together. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> yes, I I did some major research in clinging to aversion. <laughs> I don't know about you, but major research there. I'm being silly now. But uh, anybody else want to say something? Well, I guess I'll say something more because I just can't ever be completely quiet. <laughs> and that is, um, you know, I, I think, Wendy, touching on the part about the feeling sense, again, just can't be stressed enough. Because once you've done the work on a particular issue and, and you, you know the feeling of it, then um, you don't you may not have to go through it time and time again. You go, oh, there's that feeling. I know what that means. For me, it's, for example, it's jealousy. I know when that feeling of jealousy is start, I'm starting to feel that in my body and I go, oh, there's jealousy. Um, and I can greet it at the door. Hello, I know you. Uh, and, uh, and then not get into the whole story of it. But just up oh, there it is. Okay, I know that one. All right, and uh, and not go down the rabbit hole with it. 
I feel it in my body. I know what it is. Been there, done that. Okay. It doesn't create all the aversion for me. You know, I that that's great. Yes, to greet that feeling at the door. Um, and there's that discernment. Sometimes we're greeting the feeling at the door and we're going, hello, I see you, right? And that's it. And then sometimes there are feelings that lie much deeper in the heart and body mind that usually are related to grief and loss, uh, sadness, trauma, that we can't just greet them at the door. We have to invite them in <laughs> and give them a seat and let them lie down for a while and even feed them because they're real. They're big and they're real. And we must be big and real with them, you know? So it's that discernment. It really is. Some of them are big pieces of consciousness, you know? So we have one minute or two left. Anybody with a question, a comment who haven't, hasn't said anything that you just want to put your voice in our room? Some of the visitors, you don't have to invite them to come in. They kick the door in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do, don't and they? Then put, and then put their feet up on the couch and hang right. around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some of them blow the house down, right? They just, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're nasty a little, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, we're, we're with them too. We can't lie about it. You know what I mean? It's the truth of that moment, man. There's a hurricane in the room. <laughs> I use Doobie Brothers um, to, to get, to deal with those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Why have I got some events for yeah. you? <laughs> Isn't that just so relaxing? I mean, <laughs> all right, everybody. So, who would like to dedicate the merit today of our practice? I know several of you are quite capable of doing so. So, somebody is going to raise their hand and do it, right? <laughs> Anyone? Um, first time. Um, whatever merit has been produced by this gathering and by our collective action, hopefully it will resonate throughout eternity, bringing peace, happiness, and uh, a decrease in suffering to all beings in the universe. What a wonderful morning. Thank you so much for your participation. It was so much fun to be with all of you. And uh, we'll see, I'll see you again soon. Hey, just a Thanks, quick- Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, y'all. It's a quick Happy announcement. Sunday. Men's Dharma group uh, tomorrow night, tomorrow evening. It's in the newsletter with the link, so. Great, Dar men's Dharma group. And don't forget about Donna, <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> All right, have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good to see you all. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. 
For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.